Welcome to Telford Elim Sunday Podcast. We are so glad you could join us. To keep up to date with all that's going on, please go to telfordelim.com. I do hope you enjoy today's talk. Luke 2 says that, And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. One of the great stories, what an amazing story. I just want to speak for a few minutes on being rooted in history. This time of year, there's so much nostalgia around. People are very nostalgic. Memories are very powerful. Memories can produce really strong emotions within us. Good memories are creative and transformative. We remember, speak about the events and people involved with, infection, with affection and love. It's just such a strong emotion. And therefore, we, the more we talk it, the more we rehearse those memories, the more they gain a strength in our lives. They create warm, positive feelings. And so certain people, certain events, certain things that happen, certain words, certain things we've watched, listened to, these all convey this. The experiences we've gone through, positive experiences, mean that we feel something really great. As we rehearse those stories, then we are affected by them all over again. And as we rehearse the stories to others, then they are affected by the stories as well. The impact may be second-hand, but there's still power in the story. There's power in our stories. Whenever we share our story, other people want to listen to it unless you're Uncle Albert and only fools and horses when nobody wants to hear Second World War stories. But the same stories are repeated year by year and Dave, the same stories, the same only fools and horses is repeated and Dad's Army and everything else is repeated year after year, the same thing. But there's nostalgia and it's not just one or two watch it, millions watch it and they're drawn into the story, the power of the story. If you're a good storyteller, then others are drawn into that experience. They may not have been there or known the people, but they feel like they also know the people because of the way you've told the story. They were spectators watching the events unfold, even though it happened years ago, because of the way you convey your story. But equally, bad memories are equally impactful. These create strong negative emotions. There's a narrative about them too and they have an impact upon us. They can be like icy tentacles, drawing us back into the pain, the fear, the trauma of the past. The good memories, very warm, make us feel good, very positive. These bad memories, icy, cold, full of whatever the experience was that was at that point. Those who hear our stories of trauma are appalled, and they're also impacted by the pain we feel. If they're sympathetic, they'll say, I'm glad it wasn't me. If they're empathetic, they'll say, wow, I feel your pain. Slightly different. But nevertheless, those bad memories have a huge impact. Nightmares, troubles, just still have a traumatic effect upon our lives. They say that whenever trauma happens to a person, whatever time the trauma happens, that especially if they're a younger person, that it stunts or stops their emotional development from that point. 
And so the person may be 60, trauma happened at 12. Emotionally, they're still a 12-year-old whenever they react to a bad event or react to something. So emotionally, they're 12. In every other way, they're 60. And that is a huge, there's a huge proportion of our population statistically have been affected by negative stories, by bad experiences. And the trauma is there. These bad memories draw us back into darkness and decay. So how do we deal with memories? How do you deal with memories? Well, some people uh, drink their way through them. Some people try and take sleeping pills, so whenever they go to bed, they just die instead of trying to remember it. There's a huge impact through the memories. I think all our memories need to be sanctified. Our past needs to go through sanctification. If it doesn't, then the past is propensity to either draw us into some sort of a world that wasn't really the case in the first place, or else draws back into the pain of the other. So it's not just our future and where we are now, but actually how we look at our past, how we, the sort of glasses we are looking at our past with. These need to be sanctified. Sanctification basically is set aside for God's service or set apart for God. And to be sanctified means to be cleansed, to be renewed, to be cleansed, and to be set aside for what God wants to do. Good memories not sanctified tie us into the past, rooting us into the good times we once experienced. But instead of orientating us into Christ, they can root us into a feeling that the past was better than today or the, even the future. So instead of rooting us into the past or into Christ, they root us into whatever that experience was. These have a huge impact. Bad memories also need to be sanctified. Unsanctified, they can root us into fear, into bondage, and into the emotional pain, which paralyzes the emotional development of so many. So God wants to sanctify your memories this Christmas Eve. This is not a normal Christmas Eve sermon, and yet this is what I really felt I was drawing to write this. You need to sort out your memories. Because memories are such a strong, powerful effect on your life that unless they're sanctified, they'll either tie you into some type of romantic ideal outside of Christ about the world, that the world's lovely and the past was lovely, or else it'll tie you into the trauma of a broken world. Christ has come to set us free from the past, the present, and also into the future. And too many of us are carrying the luggage of the past. We're still flying. My um, aunt and uncle emigrated to Canada, to Toronto, in 1971, I believe it was. And in those days, whenever they emigrated, they flew, and they took their whole life's belongings, including the three children, in several big suitcases. And they're not the ones with wheels on them, the ones that you had to lug around yourself. They're like Laurel and Hardy movie from years ago, you know, when they were trying to get the piano up the stairs. Whenever they emigrated to Canada, they took the piano upstairs with them, as it were. But there's lots of us lugging around those big suitcases full of the past. And Jesus wants to set you free. He doesn't want you walking around with all that baggage. I really believe that he wants to. Ephesians 2.12 says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. Ephesians 2.12. That's a memory verse to learn. 
So what did he say? We were separate from Christ. Whenever I prayed earlier on interceding for the lost, so often we have this nice picture that's all going to be okay. But I must say that anybody who's outside of Jesus, according to the New Testament, it's a terrible future ahead. And yet, in Christ, redemption flows. Jesus still saves sinners like you and me. He saved me, he can save anyone. If he saved you, he definitely can save anyone. Isn't that right? We are locked into sin. It's not just that we occasionally sin. Sin is a universal concept. It's throughout the whole of the human race. It's a dominating factor in the lives of men, women, and young people across this globe. It doesn't matter where you come from, Africa or South America or Australasia. It doesn't matter where you come from. Sin is still the same power. And it's a rebellion against God. Is it? it demands that self be exalted. It bows constantly to Satan. And its focus is this world. And Christ has come to set us free. That is what he does. Jesus sets people free. It's an amazing concept that we think about this nativity scene at the front with a little baby in a manger and people around a little straw place. But I want to say to you that he is sitting in glory today. And that ties us into the nice romantic ideal that the Victorians painted. But actually, there was so much power and authority in the name of Jesus. I remember once when I was a young Christian, I was, got saved at 18, became a Christian at 18. And about a couple of years later, I was just worshiping in church on a Sunday morning. And I had this vision of what it was like. And I started to speak the name of Jesus. And the more I spoke the name of Jesus, I was whispering it. I wasn't even shouting it. I was just whispering the name of Jesus. It was like every time I spoke it, these, these cracks appeared all around me in all the strata of this society and in the strata of this world. There was such power. And every time I spoke the name of Jesus, the powers of darkness just, repel, just repelled back from me because of the power in the name of Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus tonight. He still saves sinners like you and I. There's power in his name. So it says here, we were separate from Christ. We were excluded from the citizenship in God's kingdom. We were without hope and without God in the world. What a sad state of affairs. And if Paul finished it there at verse 12, that would be really sad. But he goes on to verse 13. But he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Isn't that amazing? Brought near by the blood of Jesus. The work of the cross, what he accomplished on our behalf, that was the bridge that God built between humanity and himself. And it's still the bridge that he uses for, to save sinners. That is at the very heart of this gospel message. It's interesting in chapter 2, verse 19, it says these words of Luke's gospel. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. On New Year's Eve, I want to talk about a, a, a memory treasury box. I put it into the newsletter this week for the, the, the prayers about what we treasure, about the memories. So all memories aren't bad. You can sanctify your memories and then you create this treasury box. Um, one of the first presents I got Joan when I was 17 at Christmas was a little music box and for her jewelry and so forth when we were first, first Christmas. I think it's still there, a white musical box. 
Um, but if you put earrings, necklaces, you name it, all their stuff was, went into that little uh, white box. It's a treasury box. God wants to create a treasury box in our lives where we remember and we can go there. And these are things that are, it says Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. She had them in her heart, but she also didn't leave them in her heart. She brought it up to her mind and she thought about them. What could this mean? That an angel would appear to me and start speaking. That all these great events that were predicted would come through. She didn't forget about them. Because that's often the case. Both God does something great in our lives. And then we forget about it. It's great at the moment. And then we get on to the next thing. And we lay beside the miracle that he has just done. God's still the same God that he's always been. It's at the heart of the gospel message. It's at the heart of what he wants to bring to us. In Psalm 77, in verses 11 to 14, it says these words. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O God... Your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. These are beautiful words in Psalms 77, verses 11 to 15. But when then I recall all you have done, O Lord. Do you recall all that the Lord has done for you tonight? I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. This is not even the stuff that happened to him. He was recalling the things that happened to Israel in the centuries before. We can look back to things that happened years ago, before our time, and they can give us courage because he's still the same God today as he was then. And if he worked in power in those days, he can work in power in our lives just the same. I will remember. It's a choice. It's an act of our will. We choose to remember what God has done. So what, are, what do we remember? His deeds and his miracles of long ago. This encourages us to read about and learn the miracles of previous generations. Because they can still happen today. I want to tell you that miracles are still happening today. Even in the United Kingdom, miracles are still happening today. Not just across the majority world, but here in the United Kingdom also. The very fact that you're sitting here today as a Christian is a miracle. It's a miracle of grace. Don't lose sight of that. Your salvation is the greatest miracle. It's greater than the raising of the dead back to life. And yet we take it so lightly and think, well, it wasn't much. But it, wasn't, it was the greatest act that you will ever experience in your life to become a Christian, to follow Jesus Christ. It is an amazing act of grace. One of the things that really built me up in my faith as a young Christian was I read lots of biographies, I read lots of stories of people, how people had been missionaries, people who had done all the amazing acts. I knew what it did to me. It gave me confidence that when I would pray that the God who these guys were following would hear my prayer and would move in power. God wants to move in your life tonight. 
Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know that's out of context because that's a slightly that's dealing with church discipline. Anyway, that's really encouraging, isn't it? In Hebrews 13. But nevertheless, he, nevertheless, he is still the same. It says, I will consider all his works and meditate on all his mighty deeds. He is holy. He is great. He performs miracles. He displays his power among the peoples. Psalm 9, verse 1. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount of all your wonderful deeds. So perhaps when your families are all gathered around this Christmas or whenever you're seeing the people that you love, instead of remembering all those stories about all the things that happened in the family years ago, perhaps you can talk about the amazing things that God has done in your life or the accounts of what God has been doing in people's lives that you've been reading about or you know. That has the power to start to reframe the very narrative that we live by, the story that we live by. Jesus is almighty. He is the Lord God almighty. Is that your Jesus tonight? Is that the one that your thrust is in? Are you creating this? Because if you are, then you're rooted in history. And actually history is his story, rooted in his story. Whenever you think about Christmas and Christmas morning and the amazing presents, they are meant to point us to the one who gave himself and gave so much to us. And yet the world has hijacked it so it points back into something else that's empty actually ultimately in the long run. But yet there's such joy and rejoicing in one sinner who repents. Maybe God's calling you tonight to give your heart and life to Jesus. Maybe he's saying to you, it's time to wake up, smell the coffee, and follow Jesus. Maybe it's time to give your heart and your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let this Christmas 2019 just go by and think, oh, nostalgia. Get yourself rooted into Christ. His his story is rooted in history. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, as was already quoted. He is amazing. Will you give your life to Jesus tonight? Let us pray. So I'm going to say a prayer. And if you've never given your heart and life to Christ, you can say this prayer within yourself to Jesus. I come before you, Lord Jesus Christ. I open my life up to you. You know me so much more than any other person. I thank you, Lord, that you love me, that you're willing to save me. And so I ask for forgiveness for all that I have done wrong, the times that I've turned my back on you. Lord Jesus, I place my life into your hands. I know it's not even my life. It's, you have given me the gift of life, but I place it back in your hands. I ask that you would be my Lord and Savior. And this evening, I commit myself to follow you, Lord Jesus. Help me, Lord. Amen.
If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, talk to somebody about it. Share that with somebody. Church isn't nice, no, supposed to be nice. Church is supposed to be a place where you meet with God. And God is holy, as we have read about. He is awesome. Thank you for listening to Telford Elim's Sunday podcast. To keep up to date, go to telfordelim.com or find us on social media.